0: Hello everybody, my name is Ben Schluter and welcome to episode 16 of Goal To Go! This episode is going to be a bit different than a normal one, um... because this episode is going to be the entirety of me reading a 148 uh, 48 page report by Hush Blackwell on Louisiana State University's uh, Title IX procedures and the lot. If you want to hear me talk about things that are more fun, you can check the video in the description of this podcast episode where I have linked the YouTube recording of last night's stream where I talked about uh, Saints stuff and, well, also I talked about Les Miles stuff. But, yeah. And uh, I'm going to just double check and see where we're hearing it from. But yeah, I have not read any of the report. I've only just found out about some stuff. But we're going to read through it, you and I. Um, We're going to... Look at this together, and we're going to talk about it. This is probably going to be one of the longer episodes that I do, but it's definitely worth it because it's going to be, again, from my perspective as a first-time reader of this thing, who recently, and by recently meaning last night, uh, reviewed the less Miles report that came out about his conduct in 2013. And once that gets mentioned, I'll talk about it, but... If you want to read this full report, I will link, it'll also be linked, it is linked, I should say, um, in the description of this video. This says 262 pages, Jesus Christ, what have I gotten myself into? Oh, God. Uh, Well, some of these are, in fact, just a bit of a start. So, the background information starts on page 4, yada, yada, yada. Let's see what that background is. Sexual violence on college campuses is is a pervasive and seemingly well-entrenched public health problem with research consistently indicating that more than one in four undergraduate women have experienced sexual assault while they were students. While incidence of sexual violence varies by campus, research clearly and compellingly shows... Hold on one second, as I just up the volume real quick... Research quickly and compellingly shows... that sexual violence is systematically underreported. The causes of systematic underreporting are complicated. And underreporting is partially a product of a host of cultural factors. Yada, 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 yada. Where the hell is it? Um, with that they have a bunch of backdrop. With that as a backdrop, the following broad principles undergird this report. Survivor reports of sexual violence constitute a small fraction of the actual incidents of sexual violence on a university campus. Survivor reports of sexual violence, including star in quotation marks, student athletes and other high status, also in quotation marks, members of a university community, likely constitute an even smaller fraction. The next few lines are all in bold. In the statistically unlikely event a student does Come forward with a report of sexual violence, it is critical that the report be referred to a university's Title IX office, which in turn must handle the report with care, including protecting the due process rights of students accused of misconduct. Number two, not in bold anymore. Responding with care and appropriately. Uh, responding with care and appropriately to reports of Title IX related matters and especially allegations of dating and domestic violence is resource intensive. Doing this remarkably demanding and complicated work, while I did not recognize which inflection I was going to be using later, uh, requires highly skilled practitioners and those practitioners must have adequate resources. Yes, I'm reading through this word for word. In fact, if you would like for me, like, this is almost going to be like a supplement uh, for reading it shouldn't supplant you reading it if you want to, but I'm going to be reading through a lot of this. And I know this may be boring to you, but... What? I don't know how this is going to go, because I'm basically reacting to it live. Um... Number three. Institutional failure to respond appropriately to allegations of sexual misconduct creates a variety of harms for the survivors. Failing to respond appropriately also reinforces justifications for violence not to... justifications for victims to not come forward in the first place. Do not split your infinitives. Sorry, just, why'd you split an infinitive? You are lawyers. You know how to write things. You're going to notice me calling out a lot of grammar mistakes. Um, I'm sorry, but I need to keep myself calm, and that's what keeps me calm. Getting annoyed at one thing and then getting absolutely pissed off at others. This is a tragedy in its own right. Uh, Not that, but the other thing but can also create a fertile ground for serial perpetrators. Failing to respond appropriately to allegations of sexual misconduct can also create a variety of harms for those accused of misconduct. Community members wrongly found responsible for sexual misconduct can be negatively impacted for years. Even those appropriately cleared by an institution may be viewed with skepticism in a university community that has no confidence in the institution's process for resolving reports." By the way, I should note that while doing this, LSU is playing Oral Roberts, and as of now, we're down 13-7 to 7 in the top of the fourth. So, I'm going to be a little pissed off in two ways. Um, apologies for me being pissed off for the wrong things, and instead of the summary of institutional policies and personnel. God, I'm not reading this thing. Because that's not mine. No, it's time for our office structure. Although federal law has required institutions to designate a Title IX coordinator since 1975, enforcement of Title IX and the formal designation of employees responsible for Title IX compliance was not robust until 2011, when the department under the Obama administration, among other actions, issued what has been dubbed the 2011 Dear Colleague Letter. This guidance document expanded on previous guidance and provided specific items that must be, or were strongly recommended to be, included in an institution's policy and procedures related to sexual harassment and sexual violence. Hopefully you can hear me very well. I'm sorry this is all live and I'm not editing anything out, but frankly, I just want to have this out ASAP. Um, While controversial in some quarters, in the quarters of the assholes, partially, I say partially, not everywhere. Uh, The 2011 Dear Colleague letter is universally recognized as a significant tool which compelled institutions to prioritize compliance with Title IX. It included the following specific mandates relevant to this review. It reaffirmed that prohibited, quote-unquote, sexual harassment includes, and I quote... Unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal, nonverbal, or physical conduct of a sexual nature, including sexual violence and gender-based harassment. It reaffirmed the department's constructive knowledge standard for administrative enforcement as follows. If a school knows or reasonably should have known about student-on-student harassment that creates a hostile environment, Title IX requires the school to take immediate action to eliminate the harassment, prevent its recurrence, and address its effects. Considering all the shit I've heard about LSU, I can't wait to see what they found out about that. It stressed the broad responsibilities of the Title IX coordinator, including the responsibility to oversee all Title IX complaints and identifying and addressing any patterns or systemic problems that arise during the review of such complaints to be available to meet with students as needed and not have other job responsibilities that may create a conflict of interest. It established an institution's obligation to ensure that all school law enforcement unit employees, awkwardly emphasized again, should receive training on the school's Title IX grievance procedures and any other procedures used for investigating reports of sexual violence, and instruct law enforcement unit employees both to notify complainants of their right to file Title IX sex discrimination complaint, with the school, in addition to filing a criminal complaint, and to report incidents of sexual violence to the Title IX coordinator if the complainant consents. It outlined the standard of evidence, preponderance of the evidence. I don't know what these means, some of these are gonna be lawyer speak. Uh, certain procedural requirements for investigations and hearings, and requiring training for Title IX coordinators, investigators, and adjudicators. It recommended institutions implement preventative education programs and make victim resources, including comprehensive victim services, available. Despite the 2011 Dear Colleague letter's clarion call for institutions to implement and increase infrastructure for Title IX offices, LSU did not have a formally designated Title IX Coordinator until 2014, when the university assigned Jim Marchand, one of two attorneys in the Office of General Counsel, to fill the Title IX Coordinator role for the entire LSU system on an interim basis. In addition, at that time, the university formally designated Gaston Reynoso, Assistant Vice President for Human Resource Management, as the LSU a and Campus. LSU a refers to the official name of LSU's Baton Rouge Campus, Louisiana State University in Agriculture. Okay, so the Baton Rouge Campus, at least I know what to do. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. So, th- again, like I said, this is going to take a while, um, and I got to practice this. Significantly, both of these... I'm sorry, he was also the Title IX Coordinator and Deputy Coordinator for Human Resource Management. Significantly, both of these designations were other duties as assigned roles. As a reminder, um, that a Title IX Coordinator should not have other job responsibilities that may create a conflict of interest. Well, you failed at that, you morons. Uh, Additionally, for many years, the university has utilized and continues to utilize the services of an outside law firm, Taylor Porter, to advise on Title IX issues. In interviews with Hush Blackwell, university employees explained that these roles were assigned following the department's issuance of additional Title IX guidance in 2014. Uh, Significant developments in that guidance included some sort of uh, a Title IX coordinator. I should really not read this whole thing because that's going to bore you to death. Uh, but that doesn't matter because that's all we're doing here. A Title IX coordinator's core responsibilities include overseeing the school's response to Title IX reports and complaints and identifying and addressing any patterns or systemic problems revealed by such reports and complaints. This means that the Title IX coordinator must have knowledge of the requirements of Title IX, of the school's own policies and procedures on sex discrimination, I have to stop thinking things before I've read ahead, and of all... All, emphasis added, complaints raising Title IX issues throughout the school. It reaffirmed that the Title IX coordinator role should be free from conflict, and noting, "...because some complaints may raise issues as to whether or how well the school has met its Title IX obligations, designating the same employee to serve both as the Title IX coordinator and the general counsel, which could include representing the school in legal claims alleging Title IX violations, poses a serious risk of a conflict of interest." Other employees whose job responsibilities may conflict with a Title IX coordinator's responsibilities include directors of athletics, deans of students, and any employee who serves on the judicial-slash-hearing board or to whom an appeal might be made. Yet you split an infinitive earlier, but you didn't want to end a sentence with a preposition. Your writers are really... Oh, wait, these are different writers. Designating a full-time Title IX coordinator will minimize the risk of a conflict of interest. And designated a... uh, Full-time me not being an asshole coordinator will really help me not speak for 27 hours on this bullshit. It's not bad bullshit, but it is a lot of shit. (laughs) We gotta dig through. And then it expanded guidance regarding the yada, yada, yada. Okay, so given this clear guidance, it is notable that a system Title IX coordinator role was assigned to Marchand, who, as Deputy General Counsel, quote, posed a serious risk of a conflict of interest in contradiction of the department's guidance. He was also the campus coordinator, and his designation as such, uh, on top of the yada yada yada, it... God damn. It did not set appropriate expectations regarding the Title IX coordinator's vast responsibilities to effectively oversee the school's response to all complaints. Yada yada and yada. Along with these something something something, I'm really trying to get to the good shit. Um, something, 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 ba-ba-ba-da-ba. Yeah, this is just a bunch of stuff basically talking about, like, how this was a complete mess. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, where is this? Stuart, who is this, Stuart? I'm sorry, Jenny Stewart. So, the university continued with Marchand in the role of Title IX coordinator for the LSU system and Reynoso serving as campus coordinator for the Baton Rouge campus until February 2016, when Jenny Stewart, who had been working in the office of the Dean of Students since 2009, was selected to fill three simultaneous institutional roles. You know, like you can do, despite the fact that that's completely against your whole thing. Uh... Yeah, she is Title IX Coordinator for the LSU System, Campus Coordinator for LSU's Baton Rouge Campus, and Cleary Coordinator for all LSU System campuses. Uh, it was, her designation was the university's first attempt at a quote-unquote full-time Title IX Coordinator nearly five years after the Dear Colleague letter. Oh yeah, five years, because that's totally reasonable. No, I mean, five years is totally fine. Oh my god, this is going to piss me off more than it needs to, isn't it? Uh, Anyway. When asked about her role and responsibilities, Stewart explained that each of the system's nine campuses had a Title IX campus coordinator who was designated by the chancellor. She reported that she did not have supervisory authority over other campus coordinators, but they reported Title IX information to her, and she was tasked with regularly advising and supporting each of the campuses on Title IX's requirements and complaint resolution. Jesus Christ, it's going to take me forever to read through there were modest developments in 2018. They hired, uh, we hired Jeff Scott to serve as lead Title IX investigator for the LSU system. Oh my God! Please don't tell me we've made just two pitching changes in the same inning. Oh my heavens! It is 15 to seven. I'm. Why do you have to do this to me? Anyway, not important. In fact, I think like all of this and I said I was going to do that. I'm just, I'm doing this all on my own right now because I got no idea what I'm doing. There's a lot of stuff in here and I'm just trying to find student advocacy and accountability. Something, something, something. Okay, I'm not here actually for this. I, I mainly came for the... Um, the stuff on the LSU Athletics Department, mainly because that's that's the thing I'm here for. I'm not just here for that though. Uh, duh, 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 duh. It's an overview of the university's policies and procedures. I don't want to read through this because it's so much legalese crap. I'm not. I'm just here to find where we screwed up. Okay, that's what I'm here for. Oh. Okay, here's one. So, section 4B of PM73, that's a thing that's important, apparently. I don't care enough to actually read it. Um because it doesn't seem to matter as much as what this is talking about, because it does give clarifying points, starts by making the seemingly obvious point that any student or employee who, quote, believes that he or she has been subjected to sexual misconduct or any other violation of this policy, unquote, has a, quote, right to report the conduct to the campus Title IX coordinator or to any other responsible person, which includes but is not limited to the campus administrator with responsibility for human resource management, student conduct, or, uh, Student Conduct, or the department head of the relevant academic department. Section 4C further indicates that any responsible person who receives actual notice of a complaint under this policy shall promptly notify the campus Title IX coordinator who shall be responsible for notifying the LSU Title IX coordinator and any campus administrators who may be involved in the resolution process. It concludes... Any supervisor or other responsible party who witnesses or receives a report or complaint shall notify the campus Title IX coordinator. What is unclear, though, is who is in any other responsible person. Um, To that end, PM73, in somewhat circular fashion, defines responsible person as any employee who has the authority to take action to redress sexual violence or has been given or who has been given the duty of reporting incidents of sexual violence or any other misconduct prohibited by this policy by students or employees to the Title IX coordinator or other appropriate school designee. Responsible persons do not include victims, advocates, mental health co- uh, counselors, or clergy. Okay. Uh, so it specifically identifies three job categories as responsible persons, the campus administrator with responsibility for human resource management, student conduct. I don't even know what the hell that means. Uh, It is not clear whether the drafters intended this provision to mean the campus administrator with responsibility for student conduct or simply student conduct. I was asking the same question. Thank you for putting that in a footnote. Um, in quintessential legalese, the policy then notes that this list is not exhausted, i.e. responsible person, includes but is not limited to the campus administrator with response, yada, yada, yada. Um, it also states that any supervisor who witnesses or receives a report or, or complaint is obliged to notify the campus Title IX coordinator. Finally, the policy's definition of responsible person includes employees given the duty of reporting incidents. However, it fails to identify which employees have been given this duty. Because why would it ever be clear and obvious? Like... Yeah, this is just... Oh, my God. Employee Title IX training. Oh, my God. Yada, yada, yada. I've been through the employee train. Actually, I've been through the employee training. Badabushki, I can give you some background on this. Um... Yeah, the the training is purportedly mandatory for all university employees. It is mandatory. However, the university did not track employee compliance for the annual trainings until 2020. Wait, what? This is the f- last year is the first year y'all actually sent out shit. That's crazy. Funny. A 2017 internal audit report specifically recommended that LSU administration, which is in quotation marks, should explore learning management, syst- explore learning management systems or other methods to efficiently monitor employee compliance with required annual training because training report... God, I cannot read. Provided to LSU a and employees... Oh my God, it's 18 to 7. It's nineteen to seven. It is nineteen to seven. We are losing to Oral Roberts. It's eleven runs in this inning. This is insane. It's over. So anyway, off of that, sorry, but LSU baseball is a thing. I I apologize for the waiting. Um, But while I was waiting and looking through that, I did get a chance to read a little bit more through this. Um, i only read a couple pages, and guess who found some bolding? A responsible person is then defined as any employee who has the authority and responsibility to take action to redress sexual violence or misconduct as prohibited by this policy. Uh, I'm sorry. However, the training slide for this definition then includes the following edict. At LSU, all employees have the duty to report a violation if they've been made aware of an incident. Fact, I have seen that slide. Also fact, they show a picture of that slide. Which really does reinforce that point I made that I have seen that slide. Uh, The training also notes examples of responsible persons include a faculty advisor, a staff member, and a resident advisor. So, it's clearer and preferable, but it doesn't align with actual university policy. So... Wait a minute, so I was trained wrong? You fl- Oh my god, I'm pissed off by this. I had to waste time doing that then, because I wasn't trained correctly. That's what pisses me off. The HR training also defines Title IX Coordinator as an employee who shall be responsible for the implementation, enforcement, and coordination of all Title IX- of Title IX for all student campuses. They are responsible for overseeing Title IX compliance with the entire university. This training notes that that Jenny Stewart will serve as the Title IX coordinator. In addition, yada, yada, yada. The narrative notes to the slide add another wrinkle of confusion, though. As an employee, you have the responsibility to report an offense if you've witnessed, known about it, or were told about it. It's... Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Because when I did this training, I didn't realize this. That's bad. First of all, it's bad when I don't notice this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Because I should be aware that makes no sense. But you're telling me this, so I'm reasonably inclined to think it makes sense. Oh my god, reading through this makes me pissed off just as an employee. Former employee. Current employee. I have... It's complicated and not your business. Oh my god, there's so much in here. Ah! Did someone say athletics? Oh yeah, baby. We're finally into the thing that makes this part of the goal to go. Um Somebody please do a better job. Okay, I'm going to be honest here. Reading through this makes so it's it's so much it's just a wall of text. Please god have somebody do a better job of this. I'm kidding. We're actually going to find better things. Because Dan BB group uh was engaged by the Tiger Athletic Foundation at at Louisiana State University to conduct an independent assessment of human relations risks, including misconduct prevention policies and programs applicable to both the Louisiana State University's Athletics Department and Louisiana State University. Dan Beebe Group was just, yeah, outside stuff. A 77-page report was submitted to Tom Skinner the university's general counsel in draft form on March 29th, 2016. A final version was not located as part of this review, and it is our understanding from representatives of the BB Group that a final version was not requested. While the BB Group report is replete with solid recommendations on various topics for purposes of the Hush Blackwell review, the following are especially notable. Yay! Something that you finally pointed out that I can actually read through and not have to read through a wall of text to try and interpret. Because, honest to God, I don't have the time for it. Because, how long have I been sitting here for? Nearly 30 minutes. And y'all don't want to hear me sitting here for two hours talking about a bunch of legalese shit. Especially because, God, I want to punch something right now. How have you given up 19 runs, including 11 in one inning? Like, just... This is embarrassing. But you know what else is embarrassing? Probably what's going to be in this. So, DBG is Dan... Uh, BB thing. DBG recommends that future athletic... uh, That future training sessions for student-athletes and other students affiliated with the athletics department should address sexual misconduct reporting processes, including the designated Deputy Title IX Coordinator for Athletics and other responsible persons within athletics or the broader university. Uh, yeah. The Title IX policy states that those reporting violations may report to any other responsible person. However, emphasis added, DBG suggests identifying and clarifying any other responsible person as applicable to those within the Athletics Department and on campus. Um, Pages 8 and 9 of PM73 provide an overview of the investigation process. The document states something that says, to this quote, any such investigation shall be conducted by a trained person authorized and assigned as an investigator by the Title IX by the Campus Title IX Coordinator, including but not limited, to trained employees from Human Resource Management Department or the Student Services or Student Life Department or other qualified university employees. Hi, that's me. Um The campus Title IX coordinator will notify the appropriate campus officers as necessary. To encourage early reporting, and this is all with emphasis added right now. To encourage early reporting and prompt resolution, DBG suggests that all employees and students affiliated with the athletics department should be trained and educated on the offices and per designated on the Baton Rouge campus to respond to violations of PM73. It is DBG's experience that the more specific information that is provided about the verified positions and offices on campus, the more likely issues will be reported and resolved in a timely manner. Um... Representatives from the BB Group met with the university's leadership to discuss this report and recommendation shortly after the draft was submitted in 2016. After this meeting, however, it is not clear what, if anything, was done to consider implementing the BB Group's recommendations by the leadership of the university. We note, however, that a copy of the BB assessment appears to have been provided to the university's internal auditor sometime in 2017. As the September 2017 internal audit report discussed below notes noted that suggestions relevant to this audit were incorporated into our recommendations there was an audit done in 2016 god i cannot read through this whole thing um okay in accordance with this charge it the report included 17 recommendations Among the most notable for purposes of this review were the following. Oh my god, I love you, whoever came up with this, so that you could put it into a more condensed package for people like me so we could read about it. Um, Recommendation 2. Clarity and accessibility. Quite related. Take steps to enhance clarity and accessibility of LSU's policy, their interplay, and the complaint process. Rationale. PM73 is a 14-page document that is rather difficult to understand. To some extent, this is unavailable unavoidable. The work group noted that policies at other institutions face similar problems. Nonetheless, every effort should be made to enhance clarity and readability. I am taking a psychology class. I have to read psychology articles. I wish other disciplines, notably psychology, would follow that procedure. I get that you need to be like thorough and all. Your font choice is gonna get pissy. Okay, I hate their font choice. Personal problem, but if you've ever read, like, a scientific article, you know what I'm talking about. Because the font choice is absolutely terrible. Uh, typeface, excuse me. Although the font choice is also pretty meh. It's not great size. You know what else is not a great size? Um, the size of the shit that this university is about to get. Uh, so further... LSU should take additional steps to help members of the LSU community better understand their rights, responsibilities, and the various procedures relating to Title IX. The work group recommends implementing user-friendly approaches to help enhance clarity and accountability, accessibility, yada, yada, yada. LSU, uh, they recommend the following steps. advise parties of their rights under applicable state and federal law and include links to appropriate websites. They should employ flowcharts and similar imagery to more clearly illustrate the concepts. They should have user-friendly guides for understanding the various types of complaints... Complaints. Did you not proofread, please, and procedures that may arise under Title IX? And all of the foregoing should be available on LSU's website in a centralized, easily located place. Then there's recommendation six, which is better describe the reporting obligations of various members of the LSU community. Expand the person's excluded from responsible person to clearly apply to lawyers, doctors, and others in a legally recognized confidential relationship. They have a rationale for it. That rationale takes 500,000 years to read. He lies. But, um... Basically, it says that the language in these provisions is somewhat confusing and could be improved in several ways. It's not somewhat confusing, it's very confusing. I had to read it as a part of this stupid fucking report. I'm not calling the report stupid, I'm calling the fact that it's written that way stupid. Uh, first, it is the work group's understanding that a responsible person means any LSU employee who is not specifically exempted from the definition, but that interpretation is not necessarily clear from the language on page 4. Second, on page 7, PM73 requires a responsible person to make a report when he receives, quote, an actual notice of a complaint. Or I'm sorry, actual notice of a complaint. That same paragraph then requires any supervisor or other responsible party who witnesses or receives a report or complaint to notify the Title IX coordinator. The language used is somewhat inconsistent and confusing. As a result, there's a fair amount of confusion. Uh, oh my God, we didn't score a run uh, among members of the LSU community regarding their reporting obligations. Oh my heavens. Four, three guys today, 0.2 innings combined, basically are like some of our aces. 0.2 innings, 11 hits, 17 runs, all earned, four walks, and one strikeout. This is embarrassing. This is an absolute embarrassment. But you know what I say? If you learn from your mistakes, that's a good thing. I need to get through to some stuff that's actually more important. Because we've just been sitting here, and you're like halfway through this, and this isn't what you came here for. This is not what you came here for. Oh, no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? NASA did a review of this. Oh my god, I didn't know NASA got involved. Oh my god, this makes this even more hilarious. I'm not even kidding. Immediately prior to the submission of our final report, on March 2nd, 2021, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration provided the university with its review of the university's compliance with... Holy fuck, we need to read this. Okay. Based on an evaluation of the data provided by LSU and from interviews and observations during the on-site review, NASA finds LSU is not in compliance with its obligations under Title IX, as stated below. The university fails to provide the Title IX coordinator with the resources, including capacity and access to senior leadership necessary to coordinate the institution's Title IX compliance, and the university has adopted and published inconsistent grievance procedures that fail to provide for prompt and equitable resolution of sexual harassment complaints. Okay, that basically sums up the entire process, by the way. Yeah. I'm not even kidding you. That sums up what they came to. They've proposed a resolution an agreement to the university to address its concerns, and the proposed agreement is... <sighs> finally. finally, fina, finally. We talk about the tone at the top in athletics. Uh... Numerous studies have demonstrated the seemingly obvious. Workplaces in which employees perceive that sexual harassment is not taken seriously are those in which it is more likely to occur. For example, LSU. Before discussing the matters mentioned in the USA Today article, it is important to address a report of sex harassment that Hush Blackwell learned about over the course of its review through employee interviews. There were no university records regarding this matter housed in either the university's Title IX office or in LSU's Human Resource Department. Where did they hide them? Underneath the stadium? The only person in the entire university who has ever been disciplined in any form for failing to make a report under PM73 is Athletics Department employee Sharon Lewis, a longtime football operations employee and current Associate Athletic Director for Football Recruiting and Alumni Relations. This is ironic because Lewis has lodged several reports of sex harassment throughout her tenure. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just... Whoever wrote that sentence... I want to hug you. I want to hug you so badly. Like, just... Yes. In May 2019, Lewis provided a statement to Lindsay Medatic. I don't know how to pronounce it, and neither do you. The university's deputy Title IX coordinator for employees, in an appeal of an institutional finding that she purportedly failed to make a required PM73 report, that statement chronicled significant alleged misconduct committed by the then most powerful person in the athletics department, and perhaps the university, LSU football coach, Les Miles. Thank you for segueing into the thing I was hoping for. From approximately 29... Let's say that again. From approximately 2009 until Miles' departure in 2016, Miles has denied all allegations of misconduct, and we are not in a position to offer an opinion on whether the, alleged allegation, or whether the allegations against him are true or not. I'm in the uh, position where I can do that, and I will say that the allegations are probably more true than they are not true. Uh, instead, the issue is whether the university responded to this report against a powerful member of the university and athletics department in a manner consistent with then existing legal guidance, well recognized best practices, and in institutional policy. The answer is drumroll, please. No, of course it fucking didn't. God damn it. Lewis's report speaks for itself, but among the allegations leveled is that. This, by the way, I already talked about this last night. It's going to be in the uh, description. So please check there if you want to actually watch me talk about that with two other people. Um, Miles attempted to sexualize the staff of student workers in the football program by, for instance, allegedly demanding that he wanted blondes with the big boobs and pretty girls. God damn it. Why did you have to use that quote? I didn't have to be broken by that quote. According to Lewis, he also allegedly took a more direct role in the hiring of those student workers. According to the report that I read last night, they said it was a more hands-on role. I like whoever wrote that one because some people know how to write puns. Lewis's account was corroborated by several witnesses in our review. By the way, when I say R, I mean like Hush Blackwell. According to Lewis, she repeatedly expressed her concerns to various Likes administrators and she felt those reports went nowhere. In 2012, Miles had just completed his eighth season as as head football coach, and in late January 2013, the university announced that it had negotiated a new contract, which included significantly increasing his annual salary. The contract was presented to the LSU Board of Supervisors for approval in February 2013. At the time, Miles was the highest-paid public employee in Louisiana and scheduled to make $4.3 million per year. In her interview, Lewis stated that around this time, her worst nightmare happened when an athletics department student worker, Student 1, which, by the way, is... That's named in the, uh, other one. The one that was released, that is a report all the way back from, like, 2013. Um came to her very upset about something that happened when she was alone with Coach Miles. According to Lewis, Student 1 requested her assistance in confronting Miles regarding the allegations. Another longtime football operations employee was present for the meeting and recalled from her perspective that Student 1 was completely traumatized by the alleged incident. The child had a dead stare. She just kept saying over and over, you know what you did to me. Sharon Lewis echoed this, describing the interaction between Student 1 as emotional and traumatic. Following this encounter, Lewis immediately reported the incident to Seeger. According to two athletics employees interviewed as part of our review, Student 1 met with Seeger, but, quote, the university never did anything about it. What a fucking shock! Yes. Uh, There is no record of this student's concern being investigated in a manner consistent with then-university policy. There are also no records or other evidence of Student 1 being provided with notice of her rights um and options in response to the complaint or perhaps more importantly any supportive resources other than the support of Sharon Lewis and coordinator of football operations and assistant to the head coach Ya'el Lofton i probably butchered that i hope i didn't Lofton and Lewis stated that after this incident student 1 fell off the face of the earth and did not know what happened to her after that following this incident athletics leadership including then athletics director Joe Oliva are about to talk about something that's going to piss people off if you're an LSU fan. And if you've made it this far, uh this is what you came to hear. Uh Oh, and by the way, we still have to talk about the Wells because apparently they get off like Scotfrey. Uh issued to dire- uh, issued to le- <clears throat> Let's start from the beginning. Following this incident, athletics leadership including then AD Joe Oliva issued directives to Miles to refrain from contact with student workers and also engaged Taylor Porter to provide training to all athletics employees on a variety of compliance topics, including sexual harassment. Despite these measures, in February 2013, a second student worker identified a student too reported inappropriate contact and text messages with Miles to Lewis, which were documented in her communications to Human Resources. In turn, Lewis immediately reported the incident and provided the text messages to senior associate athletics director Seeger. Student 2's report of sex discrimination was clearly not handled in a manner consistent with then-university policy. Instead, Student 2's report prompted Seeger and then-athletics director Oliva to conduct initial fact-finding, which was reported to the university's outside law firm, Taylor Porter, which, by the way, is not the name of a human being but is actually a law firm, uh, which did considerable legal work for the athletics department and essentially served as outside general counsel for the university at the time. Then interim LSU Chancellor Williams Jenkins, I don't know how you give the guy the first name of Williams. Seriously, it is a last name only. Um, asked Taylor Porter to investigate the allegations with Seeger's assistance. Uh, this designation raises conflict of interest concerns, as it is not clear how the firm could have been neutral in the investigation. Um, I'm going to shout something away from the microphone. You'll still hear it. NO FUCKING SHIT! Yeah, you could hear that. Um, yeah. There was also no provision in the applicable Title IX policy for these sorts of investigations to be outsourced to third parties. Yeah. No shit! During the course of their investigation, Taylor Porter learned that numerous athletic department employees indicated that Miles became more hands-on about many things in the athletics department, including the selection of student employees. God, yes, both of you decided to do that. Both of you decided to put that in there. Oh my god, yes. (sighs) Ah, I... Yes, that is the perfect pun. Um, following his team's loss in the 2012 National Championship game. You didn't have to remind me of that. You just didn't have to say that. You didn't have to say that. You could have just said after the 2011 season. You didn't have to specifically mention what happened in that one. That's just terrible. I mean, it's bad. You know, it could be worse. Oh, it's 20 to 7. We've given up 20 runs. We've given up 20 runs. Anyway. Um, yeah. In particular, according to witnesses interviewed by Hush Blackwell, Miles allegedly wanted... Uh, allegedly participated in recruiting and interviewing female student employees and wanted them to have a certain look. At least three witnesses recalled Miles labeling student workers as AM and PM girls, a designation with which Miles also openly gave to female full-time football operations staff. What the fuck? Several employees recalled Miles referring to the student workers as looking like a bad bowling team. Huh? I'm so... I've never heard that one used before. I'll give you that. Employees interviewed as part of Hush Blackwell's review stated that only certain ones were allowed to be in the head coach's office, not everyone. And most of them were either blonde, they were all attractive, but most of them that came through here were blonde. Another interview uh, individual recalled Miles saying many times, I want the blondes, not the brunettes, working in this office. As one witness explained, it makes me want to vomit because it it was kind of that every year... It got a little worse, and a little worse, and for a while, after a while, it almost became normal that we can't hire anybody that's fat and ugly. Notably, there is no record of these reports of sex discrimination in the university's files, and there is no uh, record of these reports ever being investigated. Yeah, what do you know? During Taylor Porter's investigation, God, why wasn't this the start? Honest to God, I'm gonna split this off into two parts, by the way, Uh, I'm saying this now, Uh, where you can hear the first part if you want to, this second part, Uh, that I'm talking about right now. I'm not gonna do that. I've lied to you. Kind of like how this university lied to everyone. When saying that... Its employees could be fine. And would be free from sex discrimination. Funny how that works. Um... Miles denied anything inappropriate had happened. It is important to note that complicating matters was the fact that Student 2 and her father were adamant that her confidentiality be protected. LSU's outside counsel ultimately concluded that Student 2's allegations, even if true, would not constitute prohibited sexual harassment under applicable law. The next statement is an opinion from Hush Blackwell. We disagree. In any event, the is like, we disagree. I disagree as well. We agree on disagreeing with their assessment of it. Isn't that nice, being in agreement? In any event, the investigation ultimately concluded that accepting Miles' version of events... I mean, that accepting Miles' version of events, he had acted inappropriately and was required to attend training. On May 15, 2013, the results of this investigation were communicated to three members of the Board of Supervisors, whose names do not matter. Uh... LSU lead legal counsel, Shelby McKenzie, and person who's got a weird title, Joe Oliva, and Seeger. Um, After a discussion of the investigation, these representatives accepted Taylor Porter's findings and recommendations and did not take further action. Um, Here's the funny thing. There's only one guy on here who actually comes out looking decent from this, and it's the one guy I didn't want it to be. Despite representations that he accepted this outcome, Oliva has stated that he recommended to the university's president, to the university's board of supervisors, and to the university's attorneys to terminate Les Miles for cause. It should be noted that there was a long time... Apparently, this was for a while. I don't know how back, how far back it went, but this could be when it started. Joe Oliva did not like Les Miles at all, and he wanted him gone. And once he got an, the opportunity to do it, he was gone. On. April 19th, 2013, Oliva sent the following email to Chancellor Jenkins and Council. This email is incredible. There's also another email that's afterward that he sent a couple months later. As we move closer to deciding how to handle the results of our investigation, I want to recommend at minimum a few items. A written reprimand outlining his inappropriate behavior and the consequences for it occurring again. Some sort of counseling and a reduction to any bonuses paid to him equivalent to the attorney fees incurred as a result of his inappropriate behavior. I also believe the full board needs to be made aware of the situation before any decisions are made. I think his continued employment needs to be seriously considered. When reviewing the use of a secret personal phone, the text messages, the fact that I had already advised him against such behavior, the evening meeting off campus, etc., it gives me great concern for the future. This issue can or will have serious impact on our university and athletic department. We have been unable to respond Locate a response to this email. On June 21st, Oliva sent the following email to Council and incoming LSU President F. King Alexander. It should be noted, F. King Alexander is no longer the university's president. He's the president at Oregon State. Um, that is all I have to say about that. A fact. Bob and King. Of course there's a Bob. Thanks for calling today. One more time, I want us to think about which scenario is worse for LSU. Explaining why we let him go, or explaining why we let him stay. Oh my fucking god, dude, why are you saying the things I'm thinking right now? No, because fucking he's right. Oliva, I... I hate to say this, but... Joe Oliva is right. A hush falls over the room as the shudder of a thousand skulls comes to being. Because god, Joe Oliva was terrible. Anyway, um... Proactive or reactive, I always believe that people are innocent until proven guilty. And in this case, I believe he is guilty of insubordination, inappropriate behavior, putting the university, athletic department, and football program at great risk. I think we have cause. I specifically told him not to text, call, or be alone with any student workers, and he obviously didn't listen. I know there are many possible outcomes and much risk either way, but I believe it is in the best interest in the long run to make a break. The court of public opinion would favor us. The courtroom, on July 2nd, we will know more, but the facts will remain the same. Thanks. We have been able... They've been unable to locate a response to that email. Um, In the meantime, following the investigation, Sharon Lewis became so distressed by the lack of support from administration that she had a mental breakdown and received mental health treatment that LSU Athletics paid for. Following the report, Lewis also claimed that Coach Miles and various members of the athletics department staff became hostile towards her. Because, of course, a female employee um, having any sort of emotional, you know, trauma from the fact that you didn't handle this shit correctly is something that they need to be hostile towards you, too. I hate every single one of the fuckers that decided that was okay. You fuckers are the reason she's this way, you know you're that way, you want nothing to do with that. All of you, fuck off, okay? I don't care about you, because you're terrible people. I don't care about anything. This, this shows you don't care. Unless you don't know. Then maybe that's okay. But if you know, you don't care. Of note, immediately prior to his tenure at LSU, he served as the head football coach at Oklahoma State University from 2001 to 04. On September 13th, 2013, Sports Illustrated published a story about the uh, OSU football program, which, by the way, it's calling Oklahoma State OSU, which I feel like is even better because we get to take pot shots at Ohio State, Law, um, Which described Orange Pride, OSU's hostess program. Oh my fucking God. Go on. While such programs had a long history, Rick Patino. Uh, Public scandals at other schools beginning in 2004 resulted in the elimination or significant limitation of hostess program activities due to suspicions about sexual interactions. The Sports Illustrated article indicated that Oklahoma State not only kept Orange Pride intact, but by 2004, multiple sources told SI the group also became a key contributor to the program's rise. Membership in the organization more than tripled. There was a greater emphasis on attracting prettier and more outgoing women. And more than a dozen Cowboys who played from 2001 to 2011 told SI that a small number of Orange Pride members had sexual relations with them or with other prospects during recruiting visits. It should be noted, and this is quite amazing, that... If Alabama, I mean, if Oklahoma State had beaten Iowa State in Ames that night, they would have been in the national championship game against us, which I think is a crazy coincidence that all of these things are related. But who cares? Although no person interviewed in the Sports Illustrated piece had direct knowledge. Of a coach or athletic department staff member instructing a hostess to have sex with a recruit, the article indicated that some Oklahoma State football personnel played a central role in vetting Orange Pride candidates with Les Miles interviewing some applicants. These allegations were corroborated in the article by interviews with female Orange Pride members. One former staff member also stated in the article that he and at least one other staff member under Miles <laughs> we're aware that a few Orange Pride members were having sex with recruits. Notably, Sports Illustrated also reported that multiple sources told SI that the group underwent a significant transformation after Miles replaced Bob Simmons in late 2000. Its culture also changed, referring to Orange Pride members sleeping with a recruit on the spot. Okay, then, what the fucking fuck? Despite these allegations being published just months after the university's resolution of student complaints, during which the university's leadership became aware of staff concerns that Miles was allegedly sexualizing LSU student worker staff in a manner similar to the allegations in the Sports Illustrated report, we have found no evidence indicating that the university conducted an investigation into these concerns. How many people do I need to punch again? Because it keeps getting larger and larger and larger. God, I wish I didn't mess around for the first half hour, otherwise people would still be listening. Um... And I know we're almost an hour into this bitch, and we still haven't talked about the cells, also known as the pieces of shit who aren't going to be here. Oh my god. Excuse me one second. It is 3.30, and it's already getting dark. We've given up 22 runs! 22! LSU, 22. They rhyme. This is, um... This is really bad. Oh my god, this is bad. Perhaps better than any organizational psychologist could, one longtime football staff member made a number of insightful remarks about some of the damage created by this episode on the culture of athletics department. I am very much happy to read this. It just baffles me, though, that for so long this went on and that kind of became the normal, right? And you just don't talk about it and you don't say anything. You just kind of go because we're protecting LSU. We're protecting our brand. We're protecting our head coach. We're protecting this. We love LSU, so we're going to be loyal to LSU. So we're going to do what we can to help, and help it and try to fix it. But, you know, nobody wants a big blow-up to where, oh, there's a big scandal, you know? I always felt like we had to be protective, you know? You want to protect LSU. You don't want there to be any big blow-up or scandal or, you know, much less anything like that, right? I felt like maybe if the university had done more when the first child had happened, maybe that would have helped clean up a lot of other stuff that maybe wouldn't have happened further down the line with not just him, with even players and anything like that. Because sometimes if people see somebody getting in trouble and it's made a big deal out of it, they're not as apt to go, well, I can keep going... I can keep doing that because nobody gets in trouble around here. Even the head coach didn't get in trouble for doing it, so we didn't set a very good precedent by not handling the stuff the way we did. You know, this has allowed things to happen since then that maybe might not have. You know, if something, it would have had it would have been stopped and you know somebody made an example out of. To think, and it was like, and there are some like line breaks in here because like this person's talking off the top of their head in a similar manner to I am, except I'm not being interviewed by a law firm. To think that that was almost normal for us, and because we had been involved in that so long, until you step back and look at it and go, my God, what did we, what were we doing, you know? But that's how, that's how the progression it came to, or I'm sorry, that's the progression it came to. It just became normal, which is sick now that you think about it. The fact that it became normal to us was crazy, you know? But it was always like nobody ever really wanted to rock the boat, and then... Poor Sharon, though. I mean, like I said, she had most of the brunt of it because she was over the girls. We were so beat down and caught up in that mess. We didn't realize how bad we were, you know? That's what upsets me. That's just... And then it goes into... I am an hour in. Honest to God... Um, If you're here right now listening to this, I thank you a lot. Cause this is basically just me reacting to this. I'm not even gonna number this anymore. Uh, cause I can't. And we're gonna read through it. It is 3:35 uh, as of the time of me recording this. And by God, we've got a lot to talk about still. Um, cause now we're getting into Drake Davis. For reasons mentioned above, dating and domestic violence cases are perhaps the most complicated matters Title IX offices are tasked to address. Handling these matters well, especially at an institution as large and complex as LSU, requires extensive resources, consistent and meticulous record-keeping, constant and open lines of communication between separate institutional offices, constant communications with lines, yada yada yada. Everything was lacking when Drake Davis enrolled at LSU. His recruitment, um, he attended four different high schools in four different states prior to enrolling at LSU. Despite these transfers, it does not appear that anyone at LSU reviewed whether there were disciplinary issues at any of these schools, which triggered his departures. because um, he was at IMG Academy um, which is mainly just go here for sports law. Well, with that said, there were two athletics related flags on Davis's enrollment. Firstly, a bylaw of the SEC required institutions to certify the academic credentials of any prospective student athlete who had transferred high schools during their senior year. In addition, a representative from IMG Academy disclosed to LSU that Davis's education at the private school had been paid for by Baton Rouge businessman Jim Bernard. 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 So, and they mentioned which other schools he went to. It doesn't matter which schools he went to. Uh, this was potentially significant from an NCAA compliance standpoint because Bernard was an LSU athletics booster. The institutional review of these flags culminated in a brief report that Davis's credentials were valid and accurate. Um... Yada yada. There is nothing in this report suggesting any sort of inquiry into why Davis left his previous institutions. Regardless, in accordance with the SEC's bylaws, on August 11th, 2016, President Alexander certified that, quote, I have personally reviewed and approved the decision made by this institution to admit Davis. Uh, report of abuse involving Complainant 1. There's a lot here. And I'm I'm going to be honest, like, it's, it's over an hour, and it's really tough for me to continue going on this. Um... So, yeah. I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to take a break on this. And I'm going to have to, or at least not from the normal one, and just get to the points that I've heard about. Uh, because, honestly, I think it would be much easier for me to explain what has happened So first of all... We... uh, LSU suspended two high-ranking LSU athletics officials... Without pay for about a month or so. So that's a thing. Hmm. (laughs) There's a picture, which is funny... Of like... Oliva, which just has him weird. Uh, let's think. They did a, uh... They did a lot of things. It's bad. I'm just trying to find a good way to, like... Summarize this, because I didn't get a chance to. Uh... It says, apparently, failure to report will result in disciplinary action. Apparently, LSU made the same mistakes in cases involving athletes and non-athletes alike. It's been just an absolute mess. In every way. Oh, my God. You know what? Let me just get to the part where we talk about the cells, considering they're the people I cared about, too. Because they are the current and will not be for longer. Let's be honest about that. Um. ah! Did someone say the cells? Because the cells, they're back. Let's see. Now we have the reports of abuse with, uh... Jade Lewis, who was the, uh... Tennis player. That Drake Davis was being terrible. So, it says mention... It mentions in here, It is worth emphasizing that many of the victims discussed throughout this report were also LSU student-athletes or athletics employees. Um... Trying to find... Something, something, something. She was anonymous in the article. Um, none of the witnesses we have interviewed, though. They informed the cells in addition. Lewis, something, something. Where the hell are the cells being mentioned in here? Um... Ah, okay, so one of the disputed facts we've been tasked with addressing is whether Jade's father, David Lewis, reported the 2017 incident um, of abuse to tennis coach Mike Sell during the summer of 2017. So he reported that there were phone calls to Mike Lewis, who's the co-head coach along with his uh, wife, Monica. Mike and Monica Sell. Yes. Yes. So, during a part during an interview as part of this review, David Lewis's account was slightly but materially different. Lewis stated that in June 2017 he told Mike Snell that there's something going on with Jade. It's toxic. She's behaving strange. It's just not right. Lewis clarified that Mike Snell initially contacted him in June to discuss an unrelated NCAA compliance investigation for the university. According to David Lewis, we had a couple of conversations there in June. And, but it certainly came out in that conversation about there's something going on with Jade. It's toxic. She's behaving strange. It's just not right. And he denied it. No, no, no. He's a superstar. He's, there's no way, you know, there's no way that basically that guy could mix with your daughter. It's just that he's a big time foot. He's a big time football player. David Lewis did not specifically state that he told Mike Sell that Davis was physically abusing her. Instead, he describes being understandably focused on his concern that his daughter was behaving strangely, including red flags with Lewis's relationship with Davis, which he allegedly communicated to Mike Sell. David Lewis also described concerns regarding the Sell's alleged attempts to encourage encourage Jade Lewis to renege on plans to play professionally. Uh, yada yada. There is no mention by David Lewis to Michael Sell of any abuse, and Lewis appears to be solely concerned that Jade wanted to stop playing professionally and return to play college tennis. Lewis tells uh, Sell that because of various financial commitments, Jade is ineligible for college tennis now anyway. Huh. That is interesting. Very interesting, especially considering the fact that, like, that changes the everything. Oh my god, we didn't give up any run. Anyway. Um. Something, something. Something, something. So. Yada, yada. Where is it? Uh. Retired in the third set. David Lewis responded. Ugly situation. Yada, yada, yada. This is a lot. And I really do apologize for this being so long. If you've made it this far. Um. I am going to, if, when it hits 4 o'clock my time, I'm just going to stop recording anyway. Because there's a lot here and I'm just trying to find the rest of it. And I know I didn't do this exactly in the best way, but to be honest, I did not really, like, I have no idea. Hold on, where is it? Just, wow. Where is the... There was some text. David Lewis noted that he just sent Mike uh, Sell a text that I have more disturbing news about LSU and Drake Davis. Uh, The alleged text between Mike Cell and David Lewis was not provided. Um... Just waiting for the cell. I don't care about this. Um, where in the world is it? Apologies for this stuff. Where in the world is it? Uh, oh, here's the Verge Osbury stuff, which is the... Another thing. Yada yada. Um, because basically, Osbury knew about it and then didn't do anything. Balls. This is really tough for me to figure out, like... Like, this'll do. Probably. It didn't dwell on the failings of specific individuals. It focused on an LSU system of reporting that was built to fail. I'm reading a USA Today article because, frankly, at this point, y'all have probably been sitting around doing whatever the hell you want, uh, listening for far too long. You can read the report for yourself. I am... I got some stuff I gotta do. Like, try not to punch myself in the face because LSU's given up 22 damn runs to Oral Roberts. Um... Basically, we were understaffed, is what it looks like. We were understaffed. We had no chance of doing it. One note that was made, uh, that someone else made, that's a really good note, is that uh, earlier it was said that this could be compared to Baylor. But with Baylor, it wasn't that. It's not like with Baylor, because Baylor, it was actively trying to cover it up. We weren't actively trying to cover up anything. We were just so understaffed, we couldn't do anything. We just couldn't do anything about it. It's not that we didn't want to. There's nothing there saying that. What's saying is that we need to. There were 18 recommendations: increase the staffing to Title IX office, make mandatory reporting obligations clear, conduct a tra- targeted training for athletes, and improve record keeping. It was so, so bad. It's it's just so bad to see all of those things. I I'm good it's a good thing I did go through the whole Les Miles situation. Uh it cited five different reviews of LSU's Title IX policies done in the last five years. They all alerted LSU officials to problems with the school's policies and practices, and it could not and Hush Blackwell could not tell what was done with those recommendations. And it called the leadership's previous response to the red flags lackluster. We're not the first people to make re- uh, recommendations to you. Scott Schneider, who conducted the investigations, uh, told the Board of Supervisors, At the end of the day, if this report is given to you and we don't implement these recommendations, the same ills we discussed throughout the report will just continue to repeat themselves. He made a prom- uh, President Galligan made a promise that they would institute each of the 18 recommendations and immediately announced the creation of a new Office of Civil Rights and Title IX. Wait, hold on. Doesn't this make it so that they still can't do... God damn it. He also announced lengthy unpaid suspensions for two prominent uh, LSU officials, Executive Deputy Director Virgil Osbury and Miriam Seeger, a Senior Associate Athletics Director. Uh, USA Today's reporting is found. Both of them were told of sexual misconduct complaints and at a minimum failed to follow proper procedures and at worst tried to bury them. Uh... Yadda yadda yadda... They still haven't had... Like... So they have people who are outraged. And it's like... Great. Great. The report cites multiple inaccurate instances in which Miriam and Verge... Are you really not going to call them by their last names? Come on. It's basic. Also, I don't really like... Anyway. Clearly covered the tracks of abusive athletes and continuously silenced the cries of help from victims. Students... ...they are employed to protect. It is appalling to say the least. These victims... Uh... This, by the way, this is from the same Raveli columnist. These victims will live not only with the trauma of the, ass- the actual assaults, ...but with the trauma of being ignored by people who are supposed to believe in them. In my opinion, their failure should honestly be punishable by-, punishable by the law. I mean, is it criminal negligence to be that stupid? There is a point at which you can be so stupid it's criminal. Is this as far as it goes? Seriously, that's a genuine question. LSU suspending them is a slap on the wrist and a slap in the face to all the victims. Before the report was issued, Carolyn Schroeder, an alumna who reported her as sexual assault in 2018, uh, blistered the university's board of supervisors. They were known throughout the community. Like I mentioned, apparently Les Miles' shit was well known by a lot of members of the Baton Rouge media who came out yesterday by saying, Haha, yeah, I knew all about this, which is like, that's not the flex you think it is. It makes you seem like a dumbass who just decided not to report anything because you were afraid that your job was more... Which I get, because, like, media ain't exactly easy to go into. I mean, it's bad. It's a failure of resource allocation, is correct. Coupled with that was a failure of leadership. And, uh... Completely failed. So... I haven't had a chance to read the entire rest of it... Because it takes 87,000 years for me to do that. But... Here's what I'm going to say. After all of this. Because once the defense... uh, The Department of Education has got another investigation. Their investigation is much deeper. They're looking into compliance with campus safety laws. Um... So that'll be fun. So while we knew- This is from someone. While we knew there were serious issues with LSU's Title IX compliance, we are shocked and appalled at the scope of the problems identified in this report. Our clients are devastated to learn that the school they loved so much has not only broken their trust, but hurt so many others. They are still processing this information and have nothing further to share at this time. So, I think after 87 bajillion minutes of talking- um, actually, it's not been 87 bajillion, it's been 74 minutes of talking, Near now 75 minutes of talking. Um, what are my full-on thoughts about this whole thing? Well, my thoughts are, what the hell did I expect? So it turns out we didn't really have a Title IX office, did we? That's what, that's what I'm getting from this. We didn't have a Title IX office, it was never staffed, what the hell were you doing? You were doing nothing. It doesn't even piss in. It pisses me off even more than I thought it would in different ways, though. Because it turns out, I'm happy that it wasn't because we were actively trying to bury it. But I'm pissed off because we couldn't actively bury it. We were too shitty to bury it. We were so shitty at everything, it didn't even need to be buried, because we fucking suck! You fuckers, all of you, are responsible for this. You got it? You got people's entire lives, and you ruined them. Fuck you. I say that with no hint of irony, and I say that with all hint of hatred for what you did to people. You are scum of the earth. Les Miles, please never coach again. Please. Nobody hire this man. This man is a cancer to the entirety of college football. I don't understand how the hell he gets away with it, too. How the fuck do you let this guy get away with it? As Joe Oliva said, which is worse? Trying to explain why you fired his ass, or trying to explain why you kept him on for that long? And you know what I say? You know what my opinion is? It is five times worse to try and explain it after the fact of why you kept him on, than to try and explain in 2013, after all of that, that we had to fire him because he was fucking sexually harassing students. I don't think many... Look, it was 2013. It would not have been that difficult for you to get that done. I don't care what kind of fucking legal argument you would have had to go through. You would have had to prove some shit. But y'all just kept not doing it. You refused to do it, and now look where you are. Do people trust you on this campus? Should people trust you on this campus? I don't think people should trust you on this fucking campus. Not until you show me something. Until you adequately staff that fucking Title IX department... I'm not going to think that you are ever going to care about the rights of students. Until you've cleared up your fucking training modules, I'm not going to feel like I can be trusted to know what the hell is going on. Until you... What else do you need to do? Um, I'm trying to think of other things that you need to do to have it proven to me that you give a singular fuck. About this. The fact that there were five others, including one that came out literally three fucking days ago from NASA, of all places. And it, by the way, which wasn't going to be included and y'all weren't going to have enough time to act upon it. But it came to a clear and concise conclusion that y'all are fucking shit and y'all need to work on your fucking shit. If you guys aren't... It, what, And you know what? Here's the one thing that's going to be the, of all of this. I don't expect much to change. I don't expect anything, and it's not because I am a cynical asshole, but because there were five other instances when you had a chance to change and you never fucking once tried. But now because it's being thrust in the public fucking spotlight, you finally do it. That is not showing accountability. That's not accountability. It's you being fucking scared. You are saddening, you are loathsome piles of shit, and until you fix your goddamn bullshit, I'm not a proud student. Alrighty? Because the fact that you, and by the way, I'd have been okay with this, but the fact that there was a NASA report that just got finished three days prior to this shit, that's what pisses me off the worst. Is that you knew about this, and then NASA had came in, and they had already done a report. And it just got released. The fact that you knew about this now. The fact that you had done nothing since. The fact that Virgil Osbury, a guy you just suspended for 30 days, was still allowed to go on the goddamn radio around this fucking town. Still allowed to say shit. Still was allowed to be on the board of fucking supervisors to pick the next permanent president of this university. All the while, a USA Today article had come out about his ass. How in the ever-loving fuck am I supposed to care? And I'm just a random dude. I'm not going to be impacted by Title IX shit like this. But I know who will. It's the one on this campus who can't walk around at night because you don't provide adequate lighting. That, that's that's where this impacts more. They don't feel safe on this campus. And with this shit, I don't know if they'll ever feel safe. Until you can prove to them that you've done something, and that you've done something fucking substantial, until you can prove that shit, I don't see any reason to feel safe. They are never gonna feel safe. So, this is my one last thing. I'm gonna wrap things up here. That is... Why didn't you do anything sooner? Why did you do this? Why didn't you listen the five times, four times, I believe, the four times prior that you had a chance to listen? Why didn't you do it until it came out when a former football player was going to jail for some horrific shit he did in Virginia when he got released? Already? Why did it take that long? For you guys to even think about this. For you guys to even try. Why did it take so long? Give me one good reason why you never tried in the first place. As well, we're not the only university that does this. I don't think so. We can't be the only university that does not adequately do this. I hope to God that local media can start investigating other universities. Because we cannot be the only one that's doing this shit that's understaffing its Title IX department that really should have the resources to do it. I'm looking at you, Oklahoma State. What's your Title IX department look like? What about Texas Tech, actually? (laughs) No, seriously, Texas Tech. Because, like, you had your entire women's basketball coach uh, debacle from the summer of 2020 where it came out because of an accidentally... uh, They accidentally gave some FOIA stuff where it turned out their women's basketball coach was an absolute... Horrible piece of shit. So in conclusion... God, this was way too long. I hope you've enjoyed your time sitting through this. This is not going to be labeled as a normal episode. Um, Probably do a normal episode tomorrow. Uh, because I want to have a chance to actually talk about normal things. You know, and also to rant and rave about the fact that LSU has given up a total of 22 runs. It's the top of the 8th inning, people! We've never given up this many runs at the new Alex Box Stadium, so that's cool. (laughs) So, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Capital B E N, Capital S, Capital L, Capital A, Capital S, P-O-R-T-S. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash T-E-P-I-G L-O-V-E-R-1. Find me there on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock central. That's 8 o'clock Eastern. Yes, the time has moved. Um for live episodes of gold to go where I don't just sit around and read an art I mean, and read a 148 page uh, thing for like an hour, although I did read a 34 page report yesterday for like 30 minutes, so <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen. But until next time, I have been Ben Schluter. This has been gold to go the reading of the report special edition. Until next time, bye bye.